What is going on, everyone? Farzee Vasugin here with you. Hope you guys are doing well, enjoying the warm weather that is coming closer and closer. We lost one hour this week, but hey, that's okay. The weather's getting better. It's more daylight outside during the day, so can't really complain too much here. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since I last have uh, done a podcast, uh, so have not done a podcast in a while. This actually is going to be the uh, last one I'll do uh, for a bit because I'm going to be on vacation soon. Uh, if you guys haven't, or if you're a new subscriber, or if you just want to go back and listen to them again, uh, be sure to check out some of the uh, recent uh, podcasts we've done. Uh, have had a lot of great guests lately. Uh, we had Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Really nice guy. Uh, been wanting him on for quite some time, and uh, we got him, uh, and it was a great talk to him. Uh, Chase Miska, comedian in the uh, regional area in Arkansas. So if you guys haven't, check that out. Had a good conversation with him. Also, Wes Bergman, uh, another Kansas Cityan, a Kansas City fan. He is from MTV's The Real World, and he's a two-time winner of MTV's The Challenge. He's well, I was not really allowed to talk about this with him, but he's going to be on All-Stars 3 in May. Uh, that is going to air on May in, uh, well, it's not going to air, it's going to stream on Paramount Plus, I should say. So, uh, a lot of great guests uh, in the past uh, few weeks, so be sure you guys check those podcasts out. Like I said, this is going to be the last one for a while, for a little bit, uh, because I'm going to be on a vacation. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, topics for this podcast, uh, some things I want to get into. Obviously, NFL Free Agency is... Underway, a lot has been going on even before then. Some unofficial trades, so to say. Tom Brady is back, in case you guys have not heard that for the 100th time. Uh, Deshaun Watson, this is very interesting. Where is he going to go? Because he uh, has had one process uh, go in his favor in the whole legal situation. And some teams are meeting with Deshaun Watson. He could be on the move real soon. The Chiefs are really quiet. Chiefs fans are not happy about that. I will get into that in a moment as well. I wanted to talk some UFC as well. Colby Covington, he is on fire lately, uh, just destroying George Masvidal. And the Cain Velasquez situation, very interesting. I do want to weigh in on that. Uh, tennis star Naomi Osaka, she teared up uh, because a heckler kept shouting at her during a tennis match. That got very interesting, and I think there needs to be something said about this. And also, uh, Donald Trump was on the Full Send podcast. I do have a couple of thoughts on that. Also, YouTube took it down, uh, citing uh, misinformation. I do have some thoughts on that as well. All that and much more here on this uh, episode of Farcecast. As always, uh, be sure you guys follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The uh, information is in the uh, description of the podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. Appreciate all of you guys. Who, I mean, so many new followers on the Facebook page still, even after football season. So big thanks to all of you guys who have been spreading the words, inviting your friends, uh, or spreading the word, I should say, and inviting your friends to the Facebook page. Uh, please keep doing it. If you haven't done so already, if you just go to the page, uh, there should be a community section, and then it allows you to invite your friends. So if you guys could take like, one minute to maybe two minutes at the most to invite uh, some of your friends to the page. That would be greatly appreciated. Keep the page growing. It's because of you guys. So big thanks to you guys who have all been doing that. We're close to, I didn't realize this. We're close to 30,000 followers. So that's, that's cool. I guess I, I don't think it's a lot. Some people think it is. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. Um, also at Farzine 21 on 
Twitter. Like I said, the links to the to the Facebook and Twitter pages are in the description for the podcast. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Share the links, please, as you uh, would uh, on your uh, social networks, as they say. The Twitter machines, the Facebook posts, whatever it is you guys do out there. All right. Nonetheless, uh, let's get this underway. Tom Brady, I'll get this one out of the way real quickly because you guys have all heard this a hundred times. He came back after a six-week retirement. Let me just say this. Do I blame him? No. Look, do whatever you want to do, okay? Do what your heart tells you to do. I think, you know, he probably thought, okay, hey, I won seven Super Bowls and have been to a million playoff games. Maybe it's just time, right? I mean, he's got more than any other, more Super Bowls than any franchise that exists. Like, think about that, okay? Seven Super Bowls to his name. And he's appeared in, what, three more? I believe he's been to 10 Super Bowls. Who, what franchise, how many franchises have been to 10? Maybe the Cowboys or Steelers. I don't know. I don't think there, there have been many. Now the Packers have, if I'm not mistaken, 11 or 12 NFL championships, not Super Bowls necessarily, but they've got double digits in those. Not many people have Tom Brady's resume is what I'm trying to point out. Not many people do. So, I I don't know, man. Maybe he, I know people have said this already. He just has the itch. And here's the thing. I said this and so did a lot of other people when he retired. Even though he's retiring at his age, he's still playing better than a lot of quarterbacks out there. This is one of the best seasons he's ever had in his 22-year career. And now it's going to be 23. So, good on him. He wants to come back. He has the itch and he thinks he can do it. Do what you want to do, man. And by the way, I know a lot of people are talking about, oh, spend time with your kids. Let me just say something. Like at that, I don't know how old his oldest one is. Looks like maybe in middle school at the most. Man, at that age, I think like the kids probably get more enjoyment just seeing their dad play football. Uh, I'm sure he spends time with his kids. Like, I mean, we all work jobs, right? 40-hour weeks, some of us maybe do. Uh, maybe we got that side hustle going on as well. Uh, we still have time, don't we? Some downtime to spend with friends, family. Who's to say he's not spending time? I hate the notion that, oh, he needs to retire and spend time with his family. As if he's not, listen, I get the NFL is, I mean, there's a lot of, it's a strenuous job. Okay. You're traveling every other week, maybe two weeks in a row. You, you practice a lot, but you still have time. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes on his social media. You still see him hanging out with his now wife, his brother, his uh, his daughter, his dogs. I mean, that guy, that guy has free time. It's not like he's uh, in the facility 24 hours a day, like some people make it sound. So, um, yeah, Brady wants to come back. Good on him. Come back if you want. By the way, I did want to get into this. So... The day Tom Brady came out of retirement, on Sunday, I don't know if it happened on that day or if the word just got out on that day, somebody uh, in an auction, there was an auction for Tom Brady's football, the last football he ever uh, threw a touchdown pass with, because I guess whoever caught the pass ended up throwing it to the crowd, and that fan, I guess, put it up uh, in an auction. Good on that fan, first of all, because you made a lot of money. Second of all, the guy who bought it he got he spent $518,000 $518,000 on a fucking football 
that what like now is not going to be his last touchdown pass ever unless he gets hurt on like the first snap of the 2022 season. But here's my thing. Who has $518,000 to spend on a football? Like, like, what are you going to say? Like, oh, hey, ladies, I got Tom Brady's last touchdown pass. Like, do you, are you going to use that to get laid? Like, what is the benefit of having a spending? Okay, maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars. If you're, you know, super duper rich, you got basically everything going in your favor financially. Sure. But almost more than half a million dollars. And listen, I'm one of those people who says, do whatever the hell you want with your money. It's your money. You earned it. But do something better with that, man. I'm not saying give all of that to charity, but go get yourself, I don't know, a Lamborghini or some nice car or two nice cars. I don't know. Um, like if I, if someone said, hey, here's $518,000, you have to spend it on something. Man, I'll tell you what, in Kansas City, uh, if you find a good neighborhood, uh, you can buy a really good house with $518,000. Pretty, pretty good size house. Uh, we're not talking like a mansion type of thing. Like you see in, um, like near the plaza. No, but in some neighborhoods, like we're talking Overland Park, Olathe, Blue Springs, Lisa. Like if you look deep enough and find some good neighborhoods that have some, fairly good sized houses. You can, you can get a good house with that money. You can get a couple of nice cars. I mean, who is, who seriously wakes up one day and says, man, $518,000. I'm going to buy Tom Brady's last touchdown pass, which is now no longer his last touchdown pass. Imagine being the guy that was one, uh, the, the, like the last bidder who just missed out. Like, that guy probably has to be celebrating right now, but he's probably also a weirdo too because he was willing to spend, what, Six figures on a football. I'm, come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Uh, I, I mean, we're just, we're barely 10 minutes in and I'm already ranting. So, uh, hey, again, l- listen, people have criticized me. They're like, oh, you buy UFC pay-per-views or you bought the Jake Paul boxing match. Yes, it's 60 bucks. Okay. That's not, we're not talking, you know, six figures on an event. Um. Listen, I'm always one of those people like, look, if you can afford it and if it's a reasonable thing to you, great. Get it. You earned it. A football man, come on. And again, like, I'm not one of those people who says, oh, why don't you just give that to charity? I'm sure a lot of people who are in a very good place financially do already do that. Like, you made the money. You earned it. But come on. A football? Anyway, uh, back to NFL quarterbacks. Uh, A lot of changes out there. What did start all of this was Aaron Rodgers announcing that he's returning to Green Bay because as soon as that happened, we immediately saw the Broncos go out and get Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. We then saw Carson Wentz on the move going from Indianapolis to Washington. That was one I don't think anybody expected. And that's kind of an interesting one too to me because Carson Wentz, if you guys remember, uh, what year was he drafted? I want to say 2016. I'm looking this up right now as I speak, so bear with me. Carson Wentz was drafted, I, I remember, number two overall by the Eagles. Uh, yeah, it was Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. 
And everybody thought those two were going to run the NFL for a while. People said that about uh, Andrew Luck and RG3, if you remember the 2012 NFL draft. Uh, and then they were just both at the National College Football National Championship game doing a broadcast together. I mean, they're not even in the league anymore in less than 10 years. Um, Carson Wentz has had a very interesting career, man. Kind of reminding me of Alex Smith a little bit where Alex Smith, as we know, he had this yo-yo career in San Francisco. And as soon as he figured it out, uh, he gets hurt. Colin Kaepernick takes over and is playing well for a couple of weeks. So when Alex Smith returns, they say, hey, we're going to stick with Kaepernick. And Kaepernick took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. And then comes to Kansas City, has some good years in Kansas City, but then they draft a quarterback and they go with Mahomes. And it's just, man, this guy cannot catch a break. Uh, And then the injury happened. But, uh, I mean, we're not that far into Carson Wentz's career where he's in his 30s. um, But, man, it is kind of unfortunate just kind of how things have unfolded for him where he suffers that injury. He was having an MVP type of season that year, too. And then the player who fills in for him, Nick Foles, who a lot of Chiefs fans are familiar with. A lot of people listening are Chiefs fans. Uh, He goes out there and wins them a Super Bowl. Underdog in every single game, and the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz is 29, by the way. He'll turn 30 in December. And he is heading to Washington. You know, I... By the way, that was just a heartbreaker ending for the Colts. They they had that massive win over the Patriots, who at the time were the best team in the AFC. And now you're on your way to Washington, and boy, um, I I think it's a good... I don't want to know. I don't want to say it's a good get for Washington. Um, Are they better? Sure, but maybe we're better options, too. Um. so we'll see how that pans out. By the way, Rodgers and Green Bay, I think that's good for him. Look, I know they had a really disappointing showing offensively in the uh, game against the 49ers. But before that, you were in the NFC Championship game two years in a row. So it's not like this Packers team isn't kind of like the Chiefs. They're not in desperate need of making so many splashes in free agency. No, they are a Super Bowl contending team. Well, Where would Rodgers go? And listen, I get it. Wherever Rodgers goes, they become a Super Bowl contender. Look at Manning when he went from Indianapolis to Denver. He made them a contender right away. He took them to two Super Bowls. Last year, okay, he didn't really take him to the Super Bowl. The defense did a lot of that for him. But you get the idea. Um, but what does Rodgers do with this? Like, where would he go where the team would be better and would be Super Bowl contenders. You got to keep that in mind. Green Bay is still the place to be for him. So I think it's good for him to stay in Green Bay. Uh, I think there are some good pieces in Las Vegas. I know they've lost a couple because of unfortunate off-the-field issues, such as the Henry Ruggs deal, but I think, you know, Green Bay is the place to be for him right now. Uh, Russell Wilson to Denver, are they better? Oh, absolutely. Um, Wilson did have a rough season last year. Now, is a change of scenery going to help with that? That, I think, is the hope if you're a Broncos fan. Um, Overall, Russell Wilson has had good numbers in his career. Just a really rough season last year in Seattle. Um, And listen, I like Russell Wilson, and I like Pete Carroll. I think 
they've done a lot of good things. Even like even if you're not a Seattle fan, you have to respect what they did. Um, I've oh, I've always been a big fan of Pete Carroll. If if Andy Reid was not coaching the Chiefs, and I had two options, like if it was up to me, magically somehow, right, hypothetical, and I could pick two guys to come to Kansas City and be the coach. One would be Pete Carroll. The other would be Mike Vrabel. I think Mike Vrabel is doing an outstanding job in Tennessee. And uh, just a young guy, too. Quickly made his way up uh, in the uh, coaching world and is a head coach now. But um, I I like Pete Carroll and what he's done. So I hope he finds a way to rebound. And I hope Russell Wilson rebounds, except just the fact that he's going to Denver just sucks as a Chiefs fan. But I think he's going to do some good things there. I think the AFC West is going to be a lot of fun to watch. This one was interesting. Mitchell Trubisky is going to Pittsburgh. Um, we don't know if he's going to start, if he's going to compete for a starting job, or if he's there just to be the backup. Not exactly sure what's going on there. It's a very interesting move because we all know Trubisky. He's also had kind of an up and down career. He was a pro bowler uh, his second season, I believe. Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky were all pro bowlers in 2019, I believe. No, 2018, sorry. It was the second year for all of them. Yeah, because Mahomes actually was in that Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl because he was preparing for a Super Bowl the following year. I still remember the group photo they all took to uh, honor the fact that they were all 2017 first-round draft picks, the third quarterbacks that went in the first round that year. So, I don't know, man. I don't know about Trubisky. Uh, you know, when you're, the, when you're a top-five quarterback and you just at all can just struggle, cannot get anything going... It is kind of rough, uh, and that's definitely something he wants to uh, to change. Uh, Kirk Cousins going back to Minnesota for a one-year, $35 million deal. This guy has – someone put out a tweet the other day. He has two ties in his career. I don't think – in my time following the Chiefs, which has been since 2002, I don't think I've ever seen the Chiefs tie a game, never. And Kirk Cousins has two in his career, which is interesting. Uh, but he's going back on a $35 million deal. This guy has a record of, 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 of I think, 59, 59, and 2 is what I saw. And I don't remember the exact number. But anyway, point being, his win percentage in his career as a starting quarterback is 500. If you are a 500-level quarterback and you just got yourself $35 million, dude, you better be given a nice portion of that to your agent. I don't know how that agent was able to pull that off in negotiations, but my God, man, uh, more power to you, I guess. Um, I mean, Matt Castle and Chase Daniel, those guys made a lot of money as backups. And I know Castle started a lot of games in Kansas City, but still, to not do well and still make a lot of money elsewhere, I, I just don't know how that happens. The, the agents, man, they're 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 real people. Um, JC Jackson and Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Oh, by the way, I forgot this one. Um, uh, my mistake. Deshaun Watson, where will he go? I don't know where he's going to go, but let me just say this. The whole, uh, Miami's, seems like it's it's a favorite, by the way. I understand that he had one portion of the legal process go in his favor. I'm still going to ask the question, though. Why do you have 40 massage therapists? Why? I asked this last year and I'm going to ask it again. Why do you need 40 massage therapists? I understand if you have, you know, one with the team and then when it's the off season, when, and I don't know the exact rules, if they can go in for treatment on their off days or whatnot. But, you know, during the off season, you probably want one of your own in the Houston area. So maybe two. 
And then when you're traveling, if and I don't know where Deshaun Watson's from. Let's just say he's from New York, okay? You probably spend a lot of time in your hometown during the offseason. So maybe he goes to New York uh, and maybe has a massage therapist or two there in case just to avoid scheduling conflict. In case one's on vacation, hey, I, he has a second one. Um, UFC fighters, uh, a lot of these guys don't have like permanent homes. They go place to place, uh, you know, stay with friends, family, whoever. Uh, maybe they're in Vegas for a few months preparing for a fight. Then they go back to their hometown and, and continue training. Maybe, you know, a situation like that. Yeah, I get if you have multiple massage therapists, like two, three, four. Um, but 40, come on. Um, I don't know. Something happened. You know, it, it, 22 civil lawsuits he's still facing. That needs to be noted. Uh, listen, I was not there when it happened. That's important to note. None of us were. But 22 people filing a law. Either this is the biggest lie ever being put together to screw someone over. Or, I don't know, we're just not getting the truth somewhere. Or maybe something's up. I I don't know. 40 massage therapists. Come on. Like, what's the logic? I had a Houston Texans fans were tweeting me when I asked this last year. They were saying, oh, do you know how much hits he takes? Okay, that doesn't mean you get 40 massage therapists. Um, MMA fighters get hit a lot in the face, but they don't go to 40 different doctors or whoever to, to get treat to get their treatment. I, I mean, that's just irrational. Um, I know doctors and massage therapists are not the same thing, but still, you get the idea. I mean, you don't go to 40 different massage therapists. I, you get the idea. I'm going to move on from that. All right, now we can move on and talk about the J.C. Jackson news. Really, the Chargers news in general, where they're getting J.C. Jackson. They acquired Khalil Mack. I mean, they're joining a good defense already. Joey Bosa, Derwin James on that defense. That's going to be a really good defense in 2022. And I saw someone on Twitter say that they're taking advantage of the fact that Justin Herbert is still on his rookie deal. Good for the Chargers, man. That is how you do it. That is, because look at Mahomes and the Chiefs not in the greatest situation financially, which I'll get into in just a minute because a lot of Chiefs fans, which a lot of you guys listening are Chiefs fans, Chiefs fans are asking, why is the team not doing anything? I'll get into that shortly. But you look at the situation right now, the Chargers are going to have some cap issues coming up. If Justin Herbert's going to continue playing this well, and if you've got some playmakers around him that do well, they're all going to want to stay and they're all going to want a lot of money. So... Take advantage of this while you can. Now, Jackson, yeah, sure, he's going to be there for five seasons. Maybe they can go nab another key player. And at that point, you know, you got a great quarterback. You got so much great talent on both sides of the ball. Chargers are going to be serious contenders in the AFC West and in the AFC for sure. I think the Broncos are also going to be a better team as well. Now, here's the thing. A lot of Chiefs fans are upset because the Chiefs are quiet and they're not doing anything. They're currently linked to two wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, who uh, went back to the Steelers last year, and Jarvis Landry, who just got cut by the Browns because they acquired Amari Cooper from the Cowboys. A lot of Chiefs fans are saying, first of all, why are they targeting wide receivers and not defensive players? And listen, who's to say they weren't? I'm sure the Chiefs, 
spoke to J.C. Jackson's agent, or maybe even J.C. Jackson himself as well. But maybe the amount of money he was asking for, the Chiefs just couldn't really go that route, and talks ended pretty quickly. Listen, I'm sure a lot of teams were interested in J.C. Jackson, but certain appeals happen, and maybe there are certain players who want to be in a certain place close to family, and I don't. again, I don't know where J.C. Jackson's from. I'm just putting that out there as an example. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, listen, like the Kansas City Chiefs, there is the enticing offer there to come be on the same team as Patrick Mahomes, right? You you would obviously want to catch pass, passes from Mahomes if you're uh, Landry or Smith-Schuster. If you're J.C. Jackson, well, the only time you prefer to go up against Mahomes is in practice. But let's be honest, a lot of people want to get paid. Um which I'll get into that a little later because some fans are being uh, there. Some fans are accusing players of being greedy and whatnot, and I think you're going to hear a lot of that in the next month. But let me say this: uh, the Chiefs—they're not making big moves right now because they don't have to. They've been to the AFC Championship four years in a row, two Super Bowls back to back, and have won one of them. Collectively speaking, the past four years, the Chiefs have been the best team in the NFL. They have consistently gone to the conference championship game, the final four, four years in a row. No other team has done that. They've been able to get two Super Bowl appearances out of that and one win. So the Chiefs are not this team. Don't get me wrong. The Chiefs have room to improve. That's not up for debate. What I'm trying to say is the Chiefs don't need to go get Russell Wilson. Now... Could they have used Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson? Oh, hell yeah. I would not be against those two players coming to Kansas City at all. But right now, what they're doing is this. We've heard, the only thing we've heard about Kansas City so far in free agency is that they're tied to two wide receivers. Here's what they want to do. Last year, Brett Veach worked all offseason reconstructing that entire offensive line, which ended up being maybe the best in football. Because you you obviously have the best center. You have an outstanding guard. Two great rookies. You have a left tackle in Orlando Brown, who is a great run blocker. Pass block, blocking certainly needs improvement. Uh, I mean, you and you have a couple other guys. You had um, the right tackle, Lucas Niang, who was doing well. Uh, who was actually a rookie last year. Because he uh, uh, opted out of his actual rookie year in 2020. So... You've got a pretty good offensive line there. A couple offensive line moves might be needed. Some quality backup offensive linemen to make sure, you know, in case what happened to the Chiefs in 2020, if that happens again, you got some guys to rely on. So I'm sure they'll work on that. But they want to take care of their quarterback. They are, they got him the offensive line, essentially. You want to make sure he has every weapon around him to throw to. That AFC Championship game, look, that's just unexplainable how that happened. Unfortunately, it's not the first time it's happened in Kansas City. We've seen it a few times under Andy Reid. But what if you do give him that Sammy Watkins type of, of, of receiver? Because I think the Chiefs missed that this year, and I know Watkins was unavailable a lot. But if you do bring back that Sammy Watkins type of player, that's going to bode well for Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the offense. And if you could bring back Jarek McKinnon, who had a great postseason, just wasn't utilized enough, man, you are going to have a really good offense similar to 2018. I don't want to say it's going to be exactly like 2018 because it's hard to replicate 
having the third highest scoring output in NFL history. Listen, the Patriots had a monstrous 2007 season. You guys all remember that. They almost went 19-0. And they've had great rosters over the years as well with Brady, but they've only been able to have that number one high-scoring offense just once during Brady's, what, 21 years he was there? 20, 21 years? I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. He's entering his 23rd year. So yeah, 20 years in New England. 20 years there. It's hard to do, but I think the Chiefs can have a similar season to what they had in 2018 in terms of offensive production. So that is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Listen, the Chiefs are not in a position where they need to make moves. They just want to take care of their quarterback in free agency. And in the draft, I think you can expect a very heavy defensive draft. Maybe you see one or two offensive linemen get taken just to build depth at that position. But I think it's going to be a very, very heavy defensive draft for the Chiefs. Because they don't have a lot of money to spend right now. They're working on Frank Clark's contract, trying to restructure that. So if they can do that, maybe they can go out there and make a move for a player that they could try to bring in. But right now they got to figure out the Frank Clark deal because... With that money, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a problem. You you can't be having low production for that uh, cost. And I know people are going to say, well, what about Chris Jones? He had a big no-show in the playoffs. I don't disagree. Um, Chris Jones, I don't think he's had double-digit sacks since 2018. Uh, no one, I believe, has had double-digit sacks for the Chiefs since 2018. So, but Chris Jones has done some good things for you at the very least, on the defensive front, just needs to be consistent about it. Um, so hopefully the Chiefs can figure that out with him because if Chris Jones plays like he did in 2018, oh boy, the, the year where he had, he had 10, 11 consecutive games with a sack breaking the NFL record, uh, boy, um, I don't want to go against Chris Jones. I would rather get hit by a train than get, hit by, than get hit by Chris Jones. I mean, that guy is just a monster. Like, what you wanted from Glenn Dorsey, you're getting out of Chris Jones. That's what you're getting with Chris Jones. Let me say this. One team that does have my attention right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've got Doug Peterson going there. And I think that's certainly a good move for them. I mean, Listen, regardless of what was going on with Urban Meyer, um, even if he didn't get fired with a couple games left, uh, with the whole kicking situation, it just was not working. I mean, you were just not winning with him. Uh, and I think the Jaguars are a much better team than what you saw with Urban Meyer. And I think Doug Peterson is going to prove that. But what you're seeing right now, the Jaguars do. They got Pro Bowl offensive lineman and Brandon Scherf. Got wide receiver Christian Kirk, tight end Evan Ingram. I think they were making some interesting moves on the offensive side of the football. And they got Trevor Lawrence, of course, who I think is going to get a second chance to prove himself, to prove that he is the once-in-a-generation quarterback that so many people were touting him to be. Uh, I think Doug Peterson's on a mission to rebound. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is on a mission to, to, to rebound. I want to prove a lot of people wrong. And by the way, the Jags have the number one pick for right now. Now, there is a possibility they can move out of that, get multiple picks, or maybe go out there and get another veteran out there, but I'm liking the moves that the Jaguars are making right now. Uh, and I think that's going to be very interesting. By the way, speaking of the draft, I was just looking at the uh, 2022 draft order. I did not realize this. The Eagles have three first round picks, all very close to one another. They're picking 15th, 16th, 
and 19th. I'm interested to see what the Eagles do with that. I'm always interested when teams have two first-round picks, especially when they're so close together. What can you do with that? Remember in 2008, the Chiefs had a bunch of draft picks. They had like 12 or 13 draft picks. They had the fifth pick, which they got Glenn Dorsey. I mentioned second time I mentioned his name on this podcast. Then they uh, traded up two spots to get Brandon Albert. And then they got Brandon Flowers. And then in the, in the third round, they had a bunch of third-round picks. All very early, too. They got Jamal Charles. They got Brad Cottom. And they got Dewan Morgan. Uh, they also got Brandon Carr later in that draft. Um, obviously, the first-round picks. I mean, Brandon Albert ended up being a really good, underappreciated tackle. Glenn Dorsey, uh, he, I thought he was getting better as a 3-4 defensive end, but it just was taking way too long to progress. Um my point is, you know, the Chiefs did some interesting things that year with their draft picks, and I know the regime got fired the, uh, after that year, Herm Edwards and Carl Peterson, but they still found some good pieces for other, I mean, you saw Todd Haley and uh, Andy Reid go out there, and you saw, and Romeo Cornell, I guess, and I mean, defensively speaking at least, um, they had some good, great pieces to work with. Jamal Charles, of course, a part of that, Brandon Flowers, Brandon Carr, Brandon Albert, a lot of Brandons in that draft class. Um, so I'm curious, to, I'm, I'm always curious when teams have a lot of draft picks, especially multiple picks in the first round. The Eagles have three, uh, pretty much in the middle of the draft. So I'm very curious to see how, what they do with that. You can do some really good things. Uh, if, if you've got the great, the great scouts in place, if you've got a great general manager taking control of the team, you can do some damn good things with three first-round picks. So I'm curious to see what the Eagles do with that. Uh, okay, this is something I wanted to uh, touch on. I alluded to this earlier. It's the time of year. Time of year for what? Sports fans telling athletes they're greedy. Because here's what's going to happen in the next month, okay? you have Right now you have NFL players who are making a lot of money, Right? Changing teams, wanting more money, doing this, that, whatever. You have college basketball players uh, that are, you know, season's about to end soon. March Madness is coming up. And a lot of them are going to... A lot of them are going to... Oh, breaking news. The Chiefs just signed Justin Reed. Gives you an idea when I'm uh, filming this podcast right now. Uh, okay, I'll get into the to the uh, Justin Reed thing a little later in a moment, but this whole thing with greed. Because you hear this a lot in sports when, you know, your favorite player does not want to come back because he wants more money and ends up going elsewhere and gets a lot of money. Sure, maybe he's going to have fewer wins in his career because he's going to uh, a lesser team, but he's making more money. Here's my thing, man. I'm never going to criticize a player if he wants more money. Because to me, it's like, you've worked so hard to get to where you are. And you see all these players around you, some better than you, some worse than you. And you see how much money everyone's making. And you got to, you know, do what you think is best for you. And I, you got to keep in mind, some of these players come from really, really rough backgrounds where maybe they were living in a very small house, you know. Mom, dad, kids all shared a room. You know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have all heard similar stories. You know, or maybe even single parent households where, you know, it's just them, mom, 
and maybe a sister or somebody. Uh, they want to go out there and not only reward themselves, but also reward you know their their families for doing what they can to keep a roof over their head during the tough times. Um, you want to go out there and make a bunch of money for yourself and your family? Do it, man. I'm, I'm not going to call you greedy. Listen, if Tyron Matthew does not want to come back to Kansas City because he's not getting the money he wants, dude, go get what you want, man. There was a point in time in Tyron Matthew's life where the NFL was almost... Uh, I mean, it, it just was not, not going to be within reach. You guys all know what happened to him at LSU, kicked off the team, and maybe there was a possibility that this guy was not going to make it in the NFL. Um, but he but he did. He's here. and He's made a lot of money already, but who's to say that he can't go make more? He deserves it. This is someone who has worked hard to get to where he is. And listen, here's the other thing. You never know if your next snap is going to be your last. So if you want to go out there and make a lot of money, in case you get hurt, you owe it to yourself. Look at Alex Smith uh, with the leg injury he dealt with. He made more than $30 million each of the uh, the season he got hurt and the season after where he didn't play. I mean, listen, I'm not saying that's a great trade right there. Uh, he went through hell and back with that leg. But still, I mean, in that situation, God forbid anything happens to him. Or maybe if it was going to be worst case scenario with his leg, well, at least he's got a lot of money to take care of his wife and his three kids, financially speaking. I know a lot of people say money doesn't buy happiness. I agree with that, but it can take care of your family. That's for sure. And, you know, if you're smart with that, which, you know, Alex Smith is a pretty smart guy. We all know you can make sure you can do a lot of good things with that money for the rest of your life. So, yeah, these players really do owe it to themselves. And by the way, you're going to hear this in, a lot with college basketball soon. There are going to be some players, uh, some freshmen who are going to declare for the draft. I was, uh, I graduated the year uh, Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. Yeah, I went to KU. I know some of you guys are not going to approve of that. That's fine. Uh, that was the year um, 2014. Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins were um, were at KU. Which, by the way, I just posted about this on my uh, social media stories. I, I had some... I had a nostalgic moment. I missed that team so much. Just going through uh, some old uh, photos on my smartphone from years ago. Uh, but, man, I remember Joel Embiid uh, was dealing with an injury that year, if you guys remember. And a lot of KU fans, which I was surrounded by a bunch of them. So take my word for this. Trust me when I say this. A lot of them were saying, Joel Embiid needs another year. It would be good for him. Look, we can have our opinions and all that, but how the hell? Who the hell are you to tell me what Joel Embiid needs to do? I mean, you're not a scout. You do you see these mock drafts that are saying that he's gonna go top five in every single mock draft out there? You really think he's gonna say no to that and come back to college basketball and risk getting hurt and not going to the NBA at a at a high level? I mean. And I know Joel, uh, didn't he miss his rookie year? I believe he did in the NBA. But he's look where he is now. One of the best players in the NBA. And I'm so happy for him as a, as a Jayhawk. Um, but man, it's a, people are like in position to tell others what to do, what not to do. And I just don't like that, man. I really don't. 
we're not in position to tell people uh, if they're greedy or what, how much money they should take or not take, all these other things. And uh, by the way, somebody mentioned this um, on Facebook because I talked about this on my social media. Someone mentioned, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he threw 50 touchdowns, but he didn't demand a new contract. Okay, sure, but two things. First off, you can as a if you're on your rookie contract, uh, which Mahomes was at the time, you're not in any position to demand a new deal. Uh, I think the rule is you cannot even get a new deal until you are going into your first year or into your final year. Excuse me. Plus, with Mahomes, with the way he was playing, everybody knew that companies were lining up. Like he had endorsements just lined up for him. Ready to go that offseason. I mean, everybody knew that. And we all saw all the commercials he did um, that offseason that aired in 2019. So it's not like Mahomes was struggling financially. Um, we knew that he was going to be just fine with his rookie contract plus all those endorsements. He, like, I'm pretty sure he made more money from endorsements than he did from his rookie deals. I, uh, rookie deal, I should say. Obviously, now making a lot more money. I'm sure it's probably close. I mean, who knows? Maybe the endorsements are still way more because he's doing 50 billion of them. But you get the idea. Uh, can we just please, like, like if we were in their shoes. By the way, let me say this. Why do so many kids want to become athletes, pro athletes? A big reason is because of the money. So if we were in their shoes, we'd be doing the same thing. We'd be wanting, wanting to make sure that we're getting a, a lot of money, not just for ourselves, but for our families. Um, mom, dad, brother, sister, uh, cousins, uncles, aunts, grandparents, like you want to take care of as many people possible with that money, right? I mean, if I had that much money, I'd be doing the same thing. I would definitely take care of my cousins, my, my parents, my brother, um, uh, and all of their families. Okay. Like grandparents, all that. So, uh, when I say all of their families, maybe like whoever my cousins are married to, but no one beyond that, like not my cousins, 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 whatever you get the idea. Um, some players try to do whatever they can. I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, here's the other thing too. I, I'm sure there's a downside with these athletes and I'm getting off topic here where, yeah, they get a bunch of money, but then they get asked for a lot of money by long distant family members. They don't even know. I, I'm sure that's a thing. Um, okay, real quickly. I have some quick UFC notes. Colby Covington just demolished Masvidal. I thought it was going to be a much closer fight. I knew Colby was going to win by unanimous decision because his cardio is just fantastic. Maybe the best in the UFC. But I was not expecting a complete sweep. I don't know what judge gave a round to Masvidal. That was not even close. Um, yeah, Masvidal got a few shots in. That's not how you judge a, a fight per round. Covington won that convincingly. Um, just dominated. Phenomenal wrestling. Um, the I'll get back to Colby in a second. The UFC still wants to do Islam Makhachev and Benil Daryush, which I am in huge favor of. I'm glad they're still targeting that. Now, maybe that means Conor McGregor, who's lost two fights in a row, might get a title shot. Who knows? Which is funny. Hey, Conor McGregor. Must be nice when you're uh, high up. Uh, but with um, with Islam Makhachev, who is a fantastic wrestler. I mean, that guy put Dan Hooker in a brutal Kimura submission. What if Islam Makhachev and Colby Covington fought at 165 pounds? I think that's honestly the only tough test out there for Colby. I know Colby called out Dustin Poirier, but he's not interested in that fight. It seems like he's more interested in fighting uh, Connor again or fighting Nate Diaz. Um, 
Listen, I hope Colby gets another shot at Kamara Usman. It's extremely rare you see a fighter who loses to a champion twice and gets a third shot at the title. But I think Colby's going to warrant for that. Maybe not now, but in the future, I think he will. But if he wants a really tough challenge, man, why not? And Colby doesn't cut much weight. He's said that many times. So I think 165 is very doable for him. I think an Islam versus Colby fight at 165 would be a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, one fighter that's also been fun to watch lately, Tai Tuivasa. I know everyone goes crazy for the shoe, shoey that he does. People are calling him Shuivasa. You know what this guy deserves? I think he deserves a fight with Stipe Miocic, um, the most accomplished UFC heavyweight champion ever out there. So I think this is definitely a place where the UFC should try to consider booking Tai Tuivasa and Stipe Miocic. Stipe wants to keep fighting for the belt. Listen, I think uh, you've got a very legitimate contender in Tuivasa. Why not make that a number one contender's fight? Um, given that Nganu is without a contract right now and is about to undergo surgery and he's going to be out for quite some time, maybe they make an interim belt. I don't know what's going on there exactly with the um, with the uh, Francis Nganu uh, contract negotiations, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth the UFC uh, uh, to go that route. Uh, Khalil Roundtree, uh, I remember watching this guy on The Ultimate Fighter in 2016. Great backstory with him. He was a very likable guy in The Ultimate Fighter. And he's had a very good career uh, building his way up the ladder, slowly but surely. And he really opened up in this last uh, in the last uh, few days talking about his past. Um, he was 300 pounds, overweight, uh, eating uh, just junk food nonstop, bad food for him, uh, and was just miserable. Dealt with a lot of uh, mental issues and was even admitting just basically did nothing but watch pornography all day. And now this guy is in a much better place trying to help people like him get out of the holes that they're in and try to motivate them to do better, which is awesome. I, I mean, how can you be against a story like that, right? Like, who doesn't like comeback stories like this? Khalil Roundtree is a perfect example of this. And he really opened up in the press conference. Even like, I love MMA fighters for being so open and honest with the media. He had a really, like, nice, genuine back and forth with the media in his press conference. Saying, hey, look, man, I know my opponent lost. So you guys are not going to talk to him because he lost. And he wants fighters that lose. Because fighters who lose don't talk to the MMA media. But he thinks they should because they all have stories to say. And he has a valid point. Um, just because they lost doesn't mean they're not worth talking to. Uh, one of the reporters did not necessarily push back, but he did say, hey, listen, the reason we don't talk to them is because we feel like they don't want to talk to us after a loss. But the truth is with MMA fighters, unlike NFL, NBA players, MMA fighters are very open and very willing to want to talk to the media and get their story out and get what they want to say out there. NFL players, not so much. They kind of want to get away from all that. They've even tried to fight this with Roger Goodell at times. MMA athletes, um, they are required to do media. Uh, I don't know if that's in their contracts, kind of like how it is with NFL players. But I remember they gave Ronda Rousey an excuse. Now, I think she wanted to just avoid the media because she was not happy about coming off a loss uh, when she was fighting... Um, Amanda Nunes in late 2016, but 
Yeah, you get the idea, though. Um, Khalil Roundtree, hey, I appreciate his honesty. And I, I, I saw he did a podcast with Ariel Hawani. I need to listen to that because I'm sure Ariel's going to ask a lot of great questions. Um, and he does a great job with that in his one-on-one interviews on that show. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, the Cain Velasquez situation, for those who don't know, Cain Velasquez, longtime UFC uh, heavyweight, he was briefly in the WWE. He is currently in prison right now because he, uh, for attempted murder against a man for allegedly molesting a four-year-old who was a relative of Cain Velasquez because Velasquez is a threat to society. Not my words. That's what they're saying. And by the way, the other man was released from prison without without bail, which upset a lot of people. Now, I don't know all the details to this. The whole, was he hunting him down like in the middle of the night or was he doing this in self-defense when the alleged molestation happened? That I don't know, but a lot of people are speaking up on this. A lot of UFC fighters, Colby Covington has spoke up against this uh, in favor of Cain Velasquez, that is. Former UFC champion, undefeated champion, Habib Nurmagomedov, he uh, wrote a letter, as did UFC president Dana White, uh, backing up Cain Velasquez. And listen, I'm glad they're doing this. Unfortunately, there are other incidents like this, similar, that happen, and they don't have the... Ability to reach out to the public or have uh, people backing them like a Dana White. Dana White's a pretty prominent figure. Um, This guy can do anything he wants in Las Vegas. Like if Dana White wants to have a really big event in one venue, in one of the big hotels one month, and then go to a different hotel the next month and so on and so forth in the entire strip, he can do that. This guy has the connections to do that. Now, I don't know what connections he has in the legal matter, but I'm sure he knows people who do, and I'm sure he's trying to work his magic. I have always appreciated that about Dana White. I know he comes off as a tough guy sometimes, but hey, man, when you run a business like this and you're always aiming for perfection, good on you. I've always respected that about Dana White. I don't know if there's... Dana White's got to write a book, man, about the way he runs a business. I think that needs to be talked about in some shape or form. Uh, But hopefully Cain Velasquez, man... I don't know. Again, we don't know all the details, but if what is said is true and accurate, man, that's just wrong. I mean, we're 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 fighting the wrong crime here. Um, we're fighting uh, a, a, a battle we shouldn't be fighting. We, I mean, there's the, the attention should be towards someone else. But unfortunately, it's not the first time we've had a discussion like that about the legal system in the in the United States. Uh, a couple more things I want to touch on. Uh, Naomi Osaka, a tennis star, teared up because a heckler was shouting that she sucked during uh, a tennis match of hers. She requested the umpire to eject them. The umpire declined. Uh, okay. Here's what I'm going to say about this. Whoever that heckler is from afar shouting that stuff, obviously he's never going to say it to her face-to-face. I mean, come on, Right. It's almost like that troll on Twitter who has a lot to say to you. But are they going to have any of that to say to you face-to-face? No. I've actually had multiple instances where I've blocked someone on Twitter. True story. And I've had people confirm this before. Um, In fact, I've had someone who was on the podcast who was with me when this happened. Someone confronted me that I blocked them on Twitter at... uh, What sports bar was it? I think it was Johnny's Tavern. Yeah, it was a Johnny's Tavern. And I'm like, okay, what I block you for? And she didn't know. 
But that person had nothing to say. I've also had someone who used used to be in the media. I'm not going to go into details on that. He's had a lot to say about me. I actually ran into him at a sporting event in uh, Kansas City. And I actually confronted the guy. I said, hey, you had a lot to say about me on, on Twitter. Is there anything you want to say now that we're face-to-face? Guy had nothing to say. Nothing to say. And the only reason I, I felt the need to confront that person is because this is someone who I knew of a little bit and was, in the, was a member of the media. So not someone a lot of people would know, by the way. Uh, more of a behind-the-scenes guy, but you would still know of him if you follow closely. I'll leave it at that. But here's my point. Uh, the heckler who is, you know, up, you know, 20, 30 rows away is equivalent to someone on Twitter who has a lot to say, but doesn't have anything to say face to face. Remember Marcus Peters? Uh, he, when he was with the Rams and I know the Rams were not happy with him for various reasons. This was one of the reasons he confronted a fan who was just shouting at him nonstop on the sidelines during a game. And Peters went and actually got in that fan's face. He actually went uh, not like into the stands, but up into up to the railing. And immediately the fan backed out, like totally backpedaled. As soon as Marcus Peters was being pulled back by security, the fan started talking again. I mean, what a coincidence! Marcus Peters goes away, and you're talking. You're you're loud and vocal. Okay, do you get where I'm coming from here? Like. You have these idiots who are, they've got a lot to say, but are they going to say it to your face? No. Uh, remember Ethan Bear, the hockey player last postseason who was dealing with so many racist comments. Um, Native American dealing with his, his girlfriend received all these hateful comments. It's like, why? And I, I was listening to NHL's, um, uh, uh, the NHL channel on Sirius X7, there was one of the uh, analysts saying, you know, you say that on Twitter, but would you say it to him in his, to his face in a back alley? No, you wouldn't. So there are always people who have a, the internet has found a way to make people tough, real tough. Um, but do these people actually do anything to you in person? Not a true question. The answer is no. It's just not. Um, listen, there are people in the media who deal with this. There are athletes who deal with this. There are celebrities, actors who have haters and they deal with this shit. Guess how many times those people get confronted face-to-face? Never. I've heard a lot of funny stories from people in the media who get hated because of their commentary on sports or whatever. And they say that the hate they get online, they never get in person. I mean, it's true. It's, it's true, man. If I'm lying, man, someone tell me. Uh, Mr. Beast. Best known as Jimmy. I don't know his last name, but he was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't listen to the entirety of Rogan's podcast often. This was one of the very few ones where I did. This is actually a very fascinating one. This is a YouTuber who just does so many great things. He gives away a lot of money, does a lot of cool uh, tasks, uh, so many things. If you have kids, I'm sure your kids watch uh, his YouTube videos. If you haven't, take some time to watch a couple of them. Uh, they're actually very interesting. My favorite one is the one where he buried himself alive for 50 hours. Dude, I would lose my mind if, if, if I had to do that. Uh, he just did it for content for a YouTube video, and he made millions of dollars because it got millions and millions of views. Um, he went on Rogan's podcast and talked so much about how, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier. He has a lot of money, but he doesn't do much with it. He doesn't have like a fancy house or a fancy car. He just 
respends it all on production and whatever he doesn't respend, he gives out to subscribers. He gets a car and gives it away. He gets a house and gives it away to his friends, family, strangers, subscribers, whoever, man, this guy's, this guy's awesome. Um, it's a very fascinating podcast with Joe Rogan. I do highly recommend people uh, check that out. Uh, Donald Trump was on the full send podcast, uh, which is interesting. He hasn't done a lot of these since he was out of office. And I know a lot of people want to hear certain things such as the, um, January 6th incident and the, um, accusations of a rigged election. He talked about that and he mentioned, he said the election was rigged. And he also said, we have the evidence. His press secretary, the last one, uh, McEnany, was on Fox News and was holding pieces of paper, tons and tons of pieces of paper, and was saying, hey, we have the proof. But they're not showing it. Listen, I know Trump is banned from social media, but his sons aren't. His press secretary is not. Why don't you let them, if they have it, which, again, Kaylee McEnany did show it on Fox News that it was in her hands, why not just post that on social media? Are you not allowed? Because they keep saying it was rigged. But they're not, and they say they have the evidence, but they're not showing the evidence. They're not. Um, listen, if I make a, a big accusation about someone, if I say, um, if I say, uh, you know, person A threatened to kill me on multiple occasions, well, I better have it on, I better have proof. If I say, hey, he sent me tons of messages on, on Facebook saying he's going to come after me, well, if I need to prove myself for whatever reason, if I'm being called a liar and if all the, well, what, what, what was it for the election? It was 60 judges and 90 cases. Don't quote me on that exact number. Give or take it's somewhere around there. Okay. They all confirmed that the election was valid and certified it. How is it that you have that many confirmations, but you still think that it was done wrong somehow with the evidence they claim to be presented I don't know. That's the only question I have, which leads me to my next point uh, to YouTube taking it down because of misinformation. Yeah, I do agree with misinformation. He says he was kicked off Twitter because he wanted to be silenced when that's not the case at all. I think we all saw what happened on January 6th, right? And by the way, I know what someone's going to say. Oh, what about the Black Lives Matter protests? Folks, I have criticized that as well many times. In fact, people were pushing back on me. When I criticize the looting and the rioting, I, I love the peaceful protesting. I even saw some police officers who were kneeling with people in these protests or walking with them. Um, so I've criticized all of that. I'm not one of those people who take sides. Uh, very few people uh, are like me where they don't take sides on these things. People think they have to take a side. I don't know why, but I digress. YouTube took it down um, because of misinformation, which I don't disagree uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff he said about what's going on with the, uh, uh, in Europe, all that's true. And his criticism of Biden, yeah, that's all true. Uh, but the uh, the whole election thing and him being kicked off Twitter and, and not mentioning the real reason for it, yeah, that is misinformation. And it's it's pretty dangerous. For that. I mean, for a guy who's always said fake news, come on, you just put out a lot of fake news out there. So I don't I, I I completely understand YouTube's stance there. Okay, I want to talk about two more things. Uh Dust, also known as Detroit. Actually, I'll be honest, I don't know what Dust stands for. Um oh, Detroit Urban Survival Training. 
uh, Commander Brown, Dale Brown. He's in the Detroit area, and he teaches these unique self-defense moves that I've never seen before. So he's one uh, demonstration is someone's pointing a gun to him, and as soon as that person shoots it, I guess he has this very fast reaction where he grabs the gun and does not let it fully go back in front, where he basically is catching it. And <laughs> by that, by rule, by that, by doing that, the bullet cannot go through. And he has this unique way of turning the gun around to the uh, to the attacker. And he has another funny one too where um, someone's coming in with a baseball bat swinging and he gets out of the way towards the direction where the bat's being swung at to block and, and while he's doing that he's blocking the person's wrists. The last example I'll give he has one where you know what do you do if multiple <laughs> what do you do if five people are attacking you? And there are actually five people who are surrounding him, but they're not attacking him. They're just pushing him with palms open, which obviously that's not an attack. If five people were really attacking you, they'd be doing more than, you know, palms open and pushing you. They would actually get you to the ground pretty quickly. Um, and then he had this very funny maneuver where the way you combat that is you grab one person and you grab him by the shoulder and you toss him around and you keep circling them. It's like, dude, I would just run away if I could get escape, find a way to escape one of them. Uh, look, I know I'm a little late on this. I've I've seen pictures and memes of this guy. I've never seen his videos until recently. The self-defense, like, listen, there are some good ones there. But first of all, you got to have some really good strength to, to hold the gun back like that. That's not an easy thing to do, even for the strongest person. Um... It, <laughs> Listen, just watch, just watch some of these videos. Just it's called Detroit Urban Survival Training. He's on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, everywhere basically. Uh, he's been teaching these self defense techniques for years. Uh, there's one where he's showing himself where someone's uh, has a gun right up to his chest, and he says, "If you get shot." I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. He says, if you get shot, then you need to grab the gun <laughs> and point it back at the attacker. And the... Oh, boy, I can't say this without laughing. The idea is, how the, if you get shot right in the chest, essentially your heart, how are you going <laughs> to... How are you going to have the power and the ability... To grab the gun. You just don't. And people were asking in the comments. They Listen, the YouTube account actually does a great job of responding to uh, commenters and even critics. And people were asking. They're like, am I going to be able to grab someone's weapon if they shoot me right in the chest? And their response was, if you want to live. It's like, what? <laughs> this is like... You know, I don't know what to, comp to compare this to. This is like, um, <laughs> this is like a, a team. Like, like if a defense has no timeouts with a minute left, it's like, well, you better find a way to get that. <laughs> you better find a way to get the football if you want to win. It's like that makes no sense. You're already shot in the chest. You're not gonna have any like power 
any manpower to like, dude, you're going to probably going to fall on the ground. But so, listen, anytime I watch this guy's videos, I can't, I cannot not laugh. This is one of those like challenge videos where it's like, Hey, watch this without laughing. And you just, you just can't do it. Cause the demonstrations are so, I mean, listen, so there are, there are actually a couple good ones from Dale Brown, but there are some silly ones too that make you laugh. Listen, these self-defense demonstrations you see online, Henry Gracie, who's, um, Brian Ortega's, uh, coach in the UFC. Uh, and he's also coach Ronda Rousey, CM Punk, um, he has some fascinating demonstrations on his page. And he also shows examples of it when police officers do it in the field, or if someone just out and about does it, if they're caught on camera against a burglar or an attacker, or whatever. Now, juice is a much different situation. It's not, you know, you know, trying to fight off a gun right up against you. Um, but the problem is like with Dale Brown's demonstrations, it's like, okay, Obviously, the gun is not loaded, so if you shoot, you know, obviously no one's going to get hurt. The one where he has five people surrounding him as the quote-unquote attackers, a.k.a. the people opening their palms and just pushing. It's like if five people were, were really surrounding you and wanting to hurt you, they would find a way to get you to the ground quickly. I mean, that's not, uh, um, I don't know. Uh, go, go check out his videos. You'll laugh. Okay, last thing, and then I need to get out of here. The war in Russia. Obviously, what's happening, or not in Russia, excuse me, in Ukraine. Um, obviously, what's happening is terrible. Uh, some uh, Ukrainian athletes are uh, receiving some support. There was a UFC fighter um, from Ukraine. Uh, her name escapes me right now. I'm going to try to pull it up because it's her name is definitely worth mentioning. She was very open about a lot of things, and as tough as it was to talk about. Uh, Marina Rodriguez. No, I'm sorry. That is a different fighter. Uh, Mariana Mo uh, Moroz. Yeah, there were a couple of Marianas uh, that night fighting uh, at UFC 272. Uh, but Mariana Moroz opened up about a lot of things, mentioning that her family, her parents are there, and they're trying to feed people as much as they can. Uh, just some crazy stories. I'm sure you've all seen and heard it. Here's what I don't like. The Russian athletes who are getting negative treatment. This is not on them, man. They're just from Russia. Whenever there was a Russian UFC fighter fighting that night, a lot of fans were chanting USA really loudly for Tim Elliott, which I love Tim Elliott. He's from Kansas City, and I'm glad he had some support, but not because of that. Um, there are Russian hockey players who are receiving death threats for nothing they did. And I, I can actually relate to Russians right now because being a Middle Eastern since 9-11, I mean... There are a lot of Middle Easterns who have been looked down on because of what happened on 9-11. It's like, okay, there are people from that country, the the leaders who did something. But, man, don't take it out on people who are just from there. That's just wrong. Uh, it's not right at all. I've never agreed with that. Um I, I, I just don't. There are better ways to go about this. Because they're just as upset as the rest of us. Because especially that it's their own country. I can tell you right now, with things happening in the country that I was born in, there are a lot of things I'm not happy with uh, that, that are going on there. And it sucks because I'm from there. But I'm not associated with that in any way, nor are any of the people from Iran. Uh, 
we need to really like step back and understand like just because someone is from Russia doesn't mean they're a bad person. Just because someone is from Afghanistan or Iraq doesn't mean they're a terrible person. Um, uh, you know, it'd be like, you know, in the United States, obviously we're heavily politically divided. We don't agree on politics very much. So if someone voted for Biden or someone voted for Trump, should non-Americans look down on Americans for that? I mean, I don't know. I just think it's so silly. I hate when people don't want to root for a country because they don't like their government. It's like, that has nothing to do with sports right now. Uh, these athletes have nothing to do with that government. I've never been a fan of that. Um, that's just irrational. So I don't know. Wanted to just get that out there. I don't listen. I'm not going to say too much about that. Like, what am I going to say? It's terrible. What ha- what's happening in Ukraine? Of course. Um, but attacking athletes from Russia? No, not a good call at all. All right. I got to get out of here. I am going to go on vacation. I also got to get out of here because my battery is almost dying on the computer and I don't have a charger near me. So Facebook.com slash Farzee Vasugian. Please give it a like. Please keep inviting your friends. Follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzee21. So please, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please share the links that your friends know about the podcast. Please keep inviting them to the page. Uh, for those who've been inviting uh, to the Facebook page, thank you so much. We've grown so much over the past couple of weeks, uh, months, I should say. So uh, in the off season, uh, generally it's during the season where I get a lot of following, but we're still getting a lot of commentary and a lot of new followers. So thank you guys for that. We got warmer and warmer weather. Enjoy NFL free agency. Enjoy March Madness. I will talk to you guys later. Take care.